Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, December 5th, 2019. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with a sort of rambunctious trio, if you can say. <laughs> we have Mika, Sarah, and Stacy, And we want to chat with you about our top reads of 2019. You heard from another group of us last week. So we're here with kind of a part two of this episode with different people. So, before we dive into all the fabulous books, I will say that you can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. On Facebook, you can join our listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can also see some things that we're reading on the Facebook page. And of course, all of the show notes for the episodes are there too. Um, if you want to send us an email, you can do that. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from you. So this is going to be kind of a free-flowing discussion, um, kind of a romance-heavy episode. I have a few things that don't fit neatly into the romance category, but have kind of romantic elements. So this should be a pretty... Um, a pretty good flow. Um, we shouldn't be like, you know, dragged out of, of any topics too abruptly. So I'm going to start out with a nod to Sarah and Natalia, who convinced me to try Seanan McGuire's encrypted <laughs> series earlier this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is not... You know, it's, it's not a new series. It's definitely not published this year, although there was an installment out this year. But oh. this is one of my, like, favorite discoveries um, of 2019. It's fantastic, like, urban fantasy. Um, a little lighter than some of the stuff that I usually read, but just so, so fantastic. Um, my marvelous, like, family dynamics and all kinds of like dysfunctional and functional ways. Um, I pretty much love everything about it. And I'm really, really grateful that I paid attention and gave it a try this year. And it, it just has to be have, said oh, yes. that um, yes. Sarah and Stacy, well, Stacy doesn't know because she hasn't read it yet, but I can promise you um, we are both completely mouse phobic. We hate mice and there are some special mice in oh, this God. series no they are oh, these are the like best. excellent mice no they can talk oh god they can and they like have all these weird like rituals they like they... worship the family and it they it just yes. the, they really like, make shauna mcguire just does such a good job with everything great what books. do you expect that they call so I, her verity like mice. the Priestess. What are yeah, they the on team of, mice? Yeah, but the something priestess, like the. I thought uh, she just. I thought they just go. Hey, priestess. Hey, 
They, yes, they do say it's that. that, but also holidays. Okay. Everything is like a holiday, no oh. matter what. Yeah, but yes. I yes, just like started the day this series. Grandmother. Oh yeah, yes, I didn't like it. No, that's not true. I did. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you did not like it because I no, think you I finished did. it. The first book. Well, I, I mean. no, okay, no, good. I did finish the first book. I haven't moved on yet, but I really enjoyed the first installment, and I read it during a time when I really needed something um, that was really funny. And this, and this fit the bill. Um, a lot of times, I'm kind of, as I like to say, I'm kind of an angst monster, and so sometimes it's like harder to get into like more comical elements like of books book, for me. Yes. But this was not only funny, but it had a lot of. Um, it had a lot of heart, so I'm definitely on team, yeah. team mouse a lot. What is the what's the, name of the first book in the series? Um, Discount Armageddon. Oh, yeah. And she's a ballroom. She listen. Verity Price is a ballroom dancer, and she kicks ass. And she like, runs yeah, like she across does. the rooftops. I can't think of what yeah. that's called. Free running. Free running. Yes. Yeah, she's amazing, and and it's and it's pretty cool, and it and it's also kind of a. Um, I don't. I haven't read the next book, so I don't know like how deeply things go. But I would say it's the beginning of an enemies to lovers trope, which is not yeah. my favorite trope in the yeah. world. Yeah, but this, but it's really this good, would though. definitely fit the bill. And right, yeah, I like books, it when it's done well. The other books in the series about um, Verity's brother and Verity's sister are equally as fantastic. Maybe I'll have to try I've read it. some of the brothers. You should, Stacey. It's very cool. It's really good. Does anybody else have a discovery that they wish to rave about? Well, I, I the one of the first books I read this year that really kind of, I don't even know how to say it. Like it just, it really made me sit up and take notice. Um, I feel like it's gotten some mixed reviews, but um, the matchmakers list by Sonia Lolly. <gasps> I love and, that book. Oh. I know. And it just was everything. It was like, it. what I liked about it was it didn't like throw diversity in your face. Like some of the books do, but it just, it was just a book that kind of embraced diversity, inclusivity. And it just was about um, just this young woman trying to find her way and her very traditional Indian grandmother who really wanted her to kind of conform to the way that things had always been and tried to get her to, you know, to go along with an arranged marriage. And it's just, it was a book about family, different types of family and, and uh, strong female friendships and self-discovery and just along the way as this woman kind of navigated and, and sort of like an absentee mother and how that and then along the way, she ends up finding love where she least expected it. And I just really love this book. And I know some people found the beginning a little tedious. Um, I was just looking at Goodreads, and it only got barely over three stars on Goodreads. Really? And I'm so shocked because oh, it was one of the I best books I've that. read. I know. And it was there were some really um, very funny moments um, and some really tearjerker moments. And I just loved it. And I, I know Sarah read it. I don't, Shannon, you haven't read it yet, have you? I haven't, but it's on my wish list of things to yeah. read. And I don't think Mika, I don't think you've read it, but I feel like it, it bears saying that the first maybe quarter of the book 
starts off and it seems to be a slow book, but she really needs to set up the characters in the story so that you can really appreciate like the rest of what happens in the book. Yeah. And so I would really encourage if people pick up the matchmakers list that they, I mean, I, the, the first part of the book isn't bad, but you just have to know that it starts off. It's not like a bunch of like exciting, crazy things that happen. It's more of a slow build into the story. So you just have to yeah. kind of give it a chance. <clears throat> Wouldn't you say Stace? I would. And I would also say that um, you think it's going to be this fluffy little. Yeah, it's not. And it's not at all. It's, it's, it's a really lovely book. So please, if you haven't read it, please give my book a chance. It's not my book, but I really loved it so much. I just want to give a brief um, mention to another fantastically diverse book that just does diversity so effortlessly. And that would be Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors by Snow Dev. I was hoping somebody would talk about it. I actually <laughs> was going to put that on my list. So I am so glad you talked about, you're talking about it. Sorry to interrupt you. But yeah. It, it, I loved I'm it. I'm not going to really, like, I don't want to go into it a lot since I just did my first one. But I think if you're looking for something where diversity is a theme, but you don't feel like you're you're being, like, preached to, um, Sonali Dev is just so, so fantastic. Um, and this book looks like it's the first one in a really cool family series. So I'm super excited. And you know, Anita, another, do you have one for us? Oh, sorry. That's okay. I was just going to say, if we're talking about like books that kind of embrace diversity in a really organic way, um, I really liked, um, Kennedy Ryan. Um, the first book, and I'm blanking on the name of it right now, which is why oh, I wasn't going to long shot, long shot. Mm-hmm. and that, and then also, um, Alexa Martin, her first one, um, intercepted, intercepted, intercepted. Yeah. and, um, all those books, I feel like really, there's some really strong voices emerging right now that do this, you know, do diversity in a really, um, like I said, kind of organic natural way. Kennedy so, Ryan is amazing. I she's read fantastic. All the King's Men. And was it was it so, so great. It was. The Kingmaker is the first one. I have the second one here. Um, I was hoping I would see it in audio, but it seems to only be an ebook right now. Oh. Well, yes. I was going to talk about a book about diversity, but if Mika wants to talk about one, I can bring it up later if we want to. Go ahead. I just need a couple more minutes. Okay. Go ahead. So on the, on the, I guess on the diversity vein, there were two books that I read this year and I will just, um, briefly mention both of them. So, um, the that's first Sarah, one, just so we're kind of keeping the two of us straight just a little bit, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I was going to use your name in a sentence. So oh, sorry. <laughs> so people would know. So people would know which one of us we were. Um, that's a little bit more organic. <laughs> So I just finished a book actually like yesterday and I've read a couple other books by this author and um, her name is Talia Hibbert and this book is get a life Chloe Brown. And I, I just loved it because again, this woman is really chronically ill. She has fibromyalgia and she developed that after having um, a pretty serious, um, uh, 
I don't want to say episode. Um, she had pneumonia and it was pretty serious. And after she recovered, she had all these other symptoms and it's about how she, and I'm not giving it away because this is like the very beginning of the book, like the first line of the book. So she almost kind of sort of almost gets hit by a car, but not really. And all she can think about is, oh my God, like if, if I had gotten hit by that car, like what would they say at my eulogy? They have nothing to say. Like I just stay home at my parents' house. I do nothing. So she decides she's going to get a life and she makes a list because she has to write everything down of all these things she's going to do. And one of them is move out and she moves to a flat and she gets to know the, the super, the super, the super is what they call him, um, superintendent of the building who does like all the repairs and everything. And, um, he's so much more than that. And he ends up helping her work through her list of things she wants to do for her life. But it's so much more than that. But I really felt like Talia Hibbert wove a lot of um, very accurate um, depiction of fibromyalgia into the story and of just someone living with chronic pain. And it wasn't like a fluffy, like, oh, today my back hurt and you rubbed it. It was like some days she <laughs> couldn't get out of bed and she had to have a shower, a shower seat in her shower because she couldn't stand sometimes. I mean, it was just really, really well done. Yeah. I was really on my like, short list of things to read. And she wrote another book that I loved called A Girl Like Her. And it's about somebody um, with autism. And it was just really good. And I'm not going to talk about that book because I want to talk about another book about someone with autism, but it was just, it was, it was phenomenal. Oh, I know what it is. What book fills your heart with joy? Yes. Tell us, tell us. Well, Shannon took my first one. <laughs> oh, I did? <laughs> I was going to talk about discount Armageddon, how much I like that one. So I'm sorry. Quickly. No, it's fine. It's fine. I should have sent you a list. It's all good. I wonder, I wonder how much this is going to happen this episode. So, like every book? Like, Mika, yeah. Mika, what book? And I'm like, uh, hold on. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> stole it. <laughs> so I want to talk about Rebecca Weatherspoon. Um, I know that. Because, because she is um, – and I also want to make it really clear that just because – this episode is called Top Reads of 2019. Does not mean that they were published in 2019 because I oh, am no. perpetually like three to five years behind in publishing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so everything that came out this year, I'll get back to you in 2023. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Haven, I want to talk about Haven. Um, Haven is just like, the thing I love about Haven is First of all, Rebecca Weatherspoon really did her research on kink and BDSM, and she really wrote it in, she wrote out the negotiations of, because the creed is oh. safe, sane, and consensual. Mm -hmm. And so she wrote out, she wrote out the negotiations and, and made consent, you know, showed that consent is like definitely very, is very sexy. And, and, you know, given a lot of things going on, I just really appreciated that, you know? Sure. And um, and it's, this woman is grieving. So she basically meets this man. He is a, um, he lives out in the woods in the cabin. She meets him because her brother has been murdered and she's running away from the murderer. Ooh. And, um, and, 
and then it goes but it's not romantic suspense it's it she really has to deal with the grief of losing her brother and it's a and grief is a very complicated messy thing and we get to see those things and we kind of get to see how they maybe are using each other to kind of get through some of the, the more difficult times, but they are negotiating their BDSM scenes. They're negotiating kind of everything. Um, and they have like these heavy conversations and it really is, it really is this love, this story of, of um, how these two kind of fight their own, you know, darkness, some of it internal, some of it external, and some of it is both. Um, and and realize that not only do they need each other, but they need to fight for themselves as well. And then, and then all of a sudden, like, they're in love, but it's not, like, rushed. You're just kind of like, oh, yeah. It's not Insta. Is that right? <clears throat> not Insta? It's not, it's not Insta love, which I love, Good. but it's, yeah. but it's, <laughs> But it's just kind of like, oh yeah, they're in love. Yeah, and they did the work to get there. So, um, I that's it's nice one of those to books. see. I love yeah. it, and I really it treasure is. it. And I what's think, it called? Yeah, it's Haven? called Haven. Haven. Okay. And it's the first in the series. Um, the second book is actually about a dom, a dome. So, a oh, dominatrix, a dominatrix, oh, oh, dom. Okay. Dom, a dominatrix. <clears throat> um, are these novella length or are they? Yeah, they're, no, they're novella length, and okay, but they're so good. She packs a whole punch, like in in her in her writing, and it's it's marvelous. So read it and report back. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know if you like it. So cool. So I want to change things up a little bit and talk about disability representation because Ooh, there's not always as much of that as I would like. Um, I think and it's we not well of, done. It's true. We talk a lot about diversity, but when we do that, we don't always pay attention to disability and Great. that's, and that's <laughs> not great. But I read the first book in a fantastic what looks to be a fantastic young adult fantasy series with some romance thrown in. And this is um, Storm and Fury. And it's the first book in the Harbinger series by Jennifer L. Armentrout. And our heroine is 17 and she's losing her vision. Um, and she huh. lives in a camp of gargoyles like this. Oh. Kind of not, well, they're no, they're not. Well, they kind of are gargoyles, like <laughs> wardens that are, types of gargoyles um and so it's this fantastic like spin-off of another series that she's written also about gargoyles but i loved the the emphasis here on like you can still be a kick-ass like kind of urban fantasy heroine and have a disability like you know she's not necessarily going to be the person you know who slays the zombies the woods. <laughs> right but like she you know and she's not like running through the woods like trying to escape a killer because that probably wouldn't go very well but she is able to hold her own and still be um be vulnerable but not in a way that says like oh my gosh you know i'm i'm almost blind like someone has to save me and damn it shannon I you're gonna make this. me read young adult oh, i know oh. that's good. Oh. 
<laughs> it's so, so good. I love so many things that Armin Trout writes. Um, and this, this one is just really excellent. I would recommend um, reading the original series first, and I will put the title in the show notes, like Darkest Elements, I think, is this series. Oh, I've heard of those, yeah. Um, and they're also, like, very, very excellent. Um, but this one just I, was really special to me because of the fantastic representation and this really excellent plot that did make me feel like she was trying too hard to make disability work in the story. It just it just did. Like she wasn't trying too hard to make disability right, work. Right. right. She was okay. not. It just did. It just was like it's here and she created the story around it. You know, the fact that the heroine is losing her vision is not like the only notable thing about her. Um, and, and I really appreciated that. She's not like a daredevil heroine with like a sword. No. Cane and stuff. Okay. Cool. No, no. You know, she has a, uh, like some supernatural abilities that well, yeah, people it's, oh, aren't it's aware urban of. Fantasy or whatever. Right. You know, fantasy. So, yeah. It's like, I don't know if there's a thing like young adult urban fantasy. Like, I don't know, but that's I don't kind know. Of what it reminds me of. There's like young adult fantasy, but, it is. It's like paranormal, kind of, but it it has that definite like urban fantasy feel. Like people go to like Washington D.C. and it just feels very um, like very current, but also just, with fantasy, like, super otherworldly. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to read it. Are any of her books in the um, Audible yes. Escape? Many of them. I think so. Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't know about this. I'm one, so though. excited about this topic. <laughs> so, Sarah, have you read any good books this year that portray disability in an amazing way? Why, yes. Yes, Stacey, I have. I have, in <laughs> fact. Um, and I have to say that um, as part of my, like, day job in my non-book bistro life, I work with a lot of um, young adults with disabilities. And so I often get extremely irritated um, how different disabilities are portrayed. And one of them is autism. And I don't like to actually read a lot of books about people with autism because I don't it's like kind how of they're trendy pretty. right now. Yeah, it's very trendy. It and it makes me a little angry. But Helen Wang, like, literally writes oh. the most fantastic. So last year she wrote um, the, um, oh, God. The kiss quotient. The kiss quotient. I couldn't say the word. Um, and this year she wrote a book, which the kiss quotient was also one of my favorite books. It was one of my top reads for last year. This year she wrote The Bride Test. And The Bride Test is about a guy with autism that thinks that he has no emotions and that he can't love anyone. And it's so far from true. And he, um, he, his mom kind of takes things into her own hands. They're an Asian family. And usually I would think like that was weird. Like your mom is helping you. Like it would not be very romantic to me, but she goes to Vietnam and she like interviews all these women and she finds a woman who due to something she did when she was younger that like nobody would bat an eye at here. Like she lost her whole like reputation. She basically like has no like in over 
in this no status. And now she works to support her mother and her grandmother and her daughter. And she does things like clean toilets in a hotel and she works all day. And she, um, runs into Kai's mother. And out of all these women, these beautiful, beautiful women who all want to go to the United States and these very like fancy women, she chooses this girl. And she said, I want you to go and I want you to live with my son for like six months. I think it's six months. And you have to attend these weddings with him and you have to do these certain things. And, um, if he decides at the end of it that he will marry you, I will bring the rest of your family to the U.S. And it's about how she learns to live with him and how, and, and learns kind of how to communicate because he doesn't communicate the same. And he doesn't understand social cues the same way. And, but yet she's so drawn to him and he is so drawn to her and doesn't really know what to do or how to handle things. And it was just, it, I just cannot say, I know I say this all the time, but I cannot say enough good things. I just, this book was just so amazing to me. And I know Stacy read it too. I did. And as, I'm, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking, oh, I need to reread it. And I don't often I know. do that, but I it was will be pretty special. It. And, you know, sometimes when an author really, you know, what is it? Hits it out of the park with the first, with the debut novel, you right. worry, like, can the follow-up be as good? And this was equally as amazing as the Kiss Quotient. So I, and it really did disability representation and just diversity in general very well. Just very proud, I thought. Um, <clears throat> I, I, can I go? I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I found a book because I, don't like to read books with blind characters because people always do something to piss me off. Oh, they're um, awesome. <laughs> me too. I found a great, and not only was it great representation, but it was a great story and the most unlikeliest of imprints that I would read. Okay. It was okay. in the Harlequin, I believe it's in the Harlequin Presents line, what? which has like, <laughs> which has like super <laughs> testosterone laden <laughs> alpha hole jackasses. Oh my gosh, and, the Greek tycoon's blind virgin bride. Is that what you're I mean, <laughs> listen. <laughs> so, but I was so shocked. Um, it's called The Shy Bride by Lucy Monroe. And y'all, it is, it is so good. It's so good. And it's good because like she, so she is kind of a, she's kind of a recluse because her parents died. She's not a recluse because she's blind. She's a recluse because her parents died and she, you know, she makes, she plays the piano. She makes lots of music, you know, and she just is naturally, she's socially shy. And then, so you have Cass and then you have Neo who is like, you know, the Greek tycoon, non-virginal. It. <laughs> yeah, it is a Greek tycoon. I did not think I was going to like it at all. And, and they teach each other like about themselves and her blindness is like honestly, her blindness just takes a back seat. You know, it's just like, okay, yeah, well, yeah, she's blind and she gets pissed off at him because he moves, the, like, he moves something around or whatever. 
or and he didn't consult her about something so she has to have words with him she really he tries to be kind of super alpha she stands up to that i mean it's it's so great and there's like a little bit of suspense in it but honestly just the their relationship and the way that their relationship unfolds is just it's just so fun and such a fun thing to um part to watch and there wasn't she did not count blankety blank steps she felt no effing faces <laughs> wait no but here's it's the most important good. thing did she try to run to him across the room and fall over the coffee table or fall into a pool no no <laughs> No, safe. safe. Oh man, I'm gonna have to read the Greek tycoons, Blind Virgin Bride, (laughs) and their faster shy bride, or the shy bride by Lucy. Yeah, the shy bride that by Lucy Monroe. (laughs) So I have to say, Sarah discovered the Wish Collector by Mia. Thank you. Um, and I, she called me and was whisper screaming at work to me over the phone because it has some very strong, um. Not the kidnapping, like, uh, you know, um, controlling murderous phantom, but it has some elements of Phantom of the Opera in the book. And um, the I really was I sort of screaming of... at work. I was. Stacy, get out of the boat right now! Like, no, it was more like, happen. it was more like, oh my God, Stacy, you have to get out of right now! The Wish Collector. Yes. Fantasy so opera. Scars. Basically, you know, it's about this, um, it's about an attorney who, um, is very badly burned in an explosion and has hidden away and about this young woman who he befriends through the wall of an estate. And it sounds way stranger than it actually is. And they communicate for a long time by talking on either side of this wall. And I'm not going to give away much more than that about, you know, how that's even a thing. Um, and it's in New Orleans, which is, one of my favorite cities and the writing was really lovely. I don't always enjoy Mia Sheridan. I feel like some of her heroines seem very young and silly, but I, I, I really, um, kind of like Mia Sheridan. I know. I I think her writing is really beautiful. I just, for some, I don't, I'm, I'm a, I'm a hit or miss with her, but this book was really. I don't always connect with her. Yeah. Um, I did. I have a hard time with some of her stuff, but this one looks pretty cool. It is really good. And it's about, it really is about, um, you know, kind of figuring out, you know, just self-discovery again and, and about learning to live with who you are instead of who you wish you could be. And there's a mystery in it. And Is this and the author also, who wrote Archer's Voice? Is yeah, it? And I love yes. I loved okay. Archer's Voice. I, don't, I, did I don't not. think Stacy did not, but I No, really I did, did not it. either. I did too. So we got like two for two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> I really but, liked it. I, I, and I like Mia Sheridan does put, I feel like in several of her books, um, some type of disability aspect, which I like, but the, the thing I like about the list, the wish collector, besides the fact that finally the, um, physically unattractive guy wins, which makes me happy, me too. um, is that he started off as this like hot attorney that like had the whole world you know, in his hands. And then through this tragic accident, he really had to learn like who he was. And she had to teach him that, you know, people can see past like the physical 
And I don't know. I really just, it just filled my heart with joy. I read it in one day. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go historical for a moment. Um, And this is like a love letter to books. Um, This is the book woman of Troublesome Creek. And it's by Kim Michelle Richardson. Stacy talked that. about it. Oh, you should. It's so fantastic. Yeah, Stacy talked know what? about it. What, in April or May? And I still haven't read it on my short oh, list. Oh, you should. It's so, so good. The short list apparently isn't very short. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I keep adding to it. <laughs> yes, I know. It gets longer and longer. It yeah, it be does. as long as the long list. Right. <laughs> um, but this is the first book that I read about the... Um, pack horse librarians in in the Appalachian Mountains, and it is about um, a young woman who is one of kind of a, a dying group of people known as the blue skinned people of Kentucky. And I did not know. I googled that it's legit ever... for real. I know. I remember because <laughs> we were trying to figure out like was this like offensive or was this real? Right. Um, but there's actually some kind of genetic condition that a group of people had and they had blue tinged skin. And so our heroine is kind of the last of these people. And she rides through the mountains to deliver books on the back of a mule to people who live in some of the most remote areas of the Appalachian mountains. I love it. And we, we learn just so much about how important books were to these people, even if they started out a little bit suspicious of like the kind of books that would be brought and they weren't sure that it was um, a good thing. Like maybe you should only be reading the Bible and you shouldn't be reading all these other things. Um, but it was just so, so excellent. There is um, a bit of a romance that runs through it. It's not Yay. the central focus of the book, but you do get to see it. Um, and we learn just a lot of things about like medical experimentation um, that people who are different Ooh. get, you know, kind of sucked into. Um, and it was just, it's so, so good. It's a short book, um, but I, I loved it so much. And had it been about 10 hours longer, I would have been like even happier than I already was. Like I was really sad when it ended. Um, but it's the book woman of troublesome Creek by Kim Michelle Richardson. And if you like that one and you want more librarians, um, who ride on horseback, you can check out the giver of stars by Jojo Moyes. Shout out. Which, yes. Which was fantastic and sweeping and a fantastic book about like female friendship and romance and books. And I, I loved it too. I, I loved, I have not read the book Woman of Troublesome Creek yet, but I have read The Giver of Stars and I loved it. It's, I guess it's going to be a movie, whatever, but, um, that, is it? yep, that's, I think it right. I think at the very, if you read the book description, the first thing it says is like, um, something about, um, oh. you know, soon to be a major motion picture or something. So FYI, okay. um, but you know, kind of in a similar time, uh, sort of similar era um one of the historicals that i read this year that i could not i actually read several amazing historicals this year both yeah you fiction did you were and kind of on like a you were on like i was a on i was on a huge kick i read a ton of um world war ii era historical fiction 
Um, and one of the ones that I read that I still think about is The Huntress by oh, um, Stace. You did talk about that a lot. And I loved it so much. And it's, it's sort of three t- kind of timelines that finally diverge. Uh, no, that's not the word. Is it? It's uh, that they finally converge, come together. Converge? Converge, yes. You know, um, it's late and I, my brain doesn't work after a certain time of day. But anyway, it's, um, <laughs> it's a really great book. And I'm not going to, I don't want to talk much about it, like the actual plot, because I think um, it's almost better to go into it knowing very little about the plot. And I think I'm the only person in this group that's read it so far. Yes, um, Christine, I, Christine read, it. read it, right? And liked it? Uh-huh, I did like it a lot. Yeah. Stacy had our bestie it. read it. My mom read it. Yeah, um, I, I just haven't yet just because it, it, I wasn't in the mood for that. But I, it is on my list and I, I will be reading it. Oh, I, for me, for whatever reason, it was like unputdownable. Like it just, and it's, it's long. Um, it's very involved. Um, three completely different characters and you just get so so immersed in this story and 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 what happened to this I, female I nazi killer called the huntress please 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 yes. and i just want to shout out quickly because i just read a debut novel like a month ago um oh. again about world war ii about um the um the female pilots um, yes. in World War II. And it was called The Flight Girls by Noelle Salazar. And that was an amazing book too. I've read a lot of books about World War, World War II that take place um, over in Europe. But I've read very few historical fiction novels about um, what happened in the U.S. during World War II. And so this book primarily took place uh, in the U.S. And it was about the women who were flying the planes were delivering the planes that the soldiers would take to the front lines. And it was just a really wonderfully well done book. And I'm really excited to see what this author does. This is on my iPad. Yeah, it's really good. Nika. Yes, I am here. So <laughs> the book that I'm going to talk about is the Beantown Girls by Jane? Oh, Lee. I really want to read that. Me too. Uh, it is so good. And shout out to my bestie because she was the one who told me to read it, and I did. It is about. It is. It is about. Yes. About. <laughs> about. <laughs> about. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> I know. I'm with you. <laughs> um, it's about four women. Um. So basically what happens is that one woman, her fiance has gone missing during the war. And so she joins the Red Cross to provide um, support. But mainly her whole reason of joining is to try to find him. She doesn't know how she's going to do that yet, but she does. And what I love about this book is that it is about three best friends. And one is a school teacher. One is kind of, um, it's kind of the one that, you know, sort of hoity-toity, I guess you'd say. <laughs> and she's kind of in it because she's hoping to meet some nice-looking men, and she really takes pride in her appearance, and she likes to smoke. So it's, I, I say that she's like the Mae West of the, of, the, um, <laughs> <laughs> of the best friend trio group. And then there's the main character whose job I have forgotten. But she is... Very important to the story since she is literally the main character. Um, <laughs> she she goes and um, they, you know, they're out there in the war and they 
think it's going to be kind of easy, but they don't really understand the personal cost that is that they're go that's going to be you know that's going to come due because they're going to be seeing war and so they just think that they're there like to pour the coffee how hard is that to make donuts how hard is that let me tell you something <laughs> i think making it'd be hard to make donuts in the 40s is a freaking yeah. hazardous job i and think it, making donuts in the in in the current would be hard for me it is, yeah so. i don't know how to make any donuts either no, it, is, it is so hazardous and you use like a machine and everybody has to it's like an assembly line so if one person does something wrong there were there were some there were some Krispy Kreme injuries on this in this book. Oh dear! Um, oh no! <laughs> so, but it's all about like friendship, and they see the horrors of war, but they see a lot of hope, and the, they become they left there, you know, they left there as, um, you know, maybe like just women from the suburbs, basically, and then by the time that you reach the end of the book, they have they have all three become, um much more aware of like why there's a war and why people are fighting, what the cost is, you know? And so it makes, it's a book that makes you laugh and cry. And it's very, it's very, very good. There is some, there is some romance, um, but it's kind of understated. Yeah. Um, but it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Oh, I'm so, I'm so seriously, I'm so Town glad. Girls. I'm so glad that right? you, um, yeah, Jane Healy, is that right? Yes, Jane I think Healy. So, yeah. I'm really glad that you talked about this book because I it's been on my wish list actually for a while. And I just for whatever reason I, I keep reading other things. But if I have the endorsement from Mika, I'm gonna have to pick this up, I think. Yay. Sarah, what do you have for us? I have Mariana Zapata. I know she's not historical. Okay, we, we'll we'll switch gears here a bit. And I know I've talked about her in previous episodes, so I won't make it very long. But um, I'd say that her two books, because I really can't just have one. If I had to pick two books that really um, spoke to me this year, it would be Luna and the Lie. Yay, and that wait. was very good. It was so good. And wait for it. Oh, yeah. And this is what I love about Mariana Zapata, so, is that, she is, you know, a contemporary romance author, but she, it's not like a predictable formula. Like the people meet and maybe they don't like each other. And then they like, ha they volley back and forth, witty banter, and then they love each other. And then after the one night of glorious sex, someone finds out something bad about the other person. And then you think they're going to never come back together again. And that's so far from what she writes about. So a lot of times they don't like each other in the beginning. But what I love about Mariana Zapata is that, like, it's like a very slow building. They get to know each other really well, and they become friends, and then they fall in love. But once they love each other, it's not like this angst, like, oh, what do I do? Oh, he doesn't like me. Oh, she doesn't like me. Oh, you lied to me. Oh, no, I didn't. You know what I mean? It's like, but there's the plots, in my opinion, are very well done. Yeah, she's the I, queen of the slow burn. I, I like her, too. I have a question. When people say that she's the queen of the slow burn, like, they never really explain, like, so is there an HEA? Like, is there a happy oh, oh, yeah. Happy? Do we get yeah. to see them oh, be oh, in absolutely. love for a while? Or is it just like, yeah, oh, I love so, you after all this, the end, you know? No, no. She wraps up things really well. I have never read a Mariana Zapata book and thought, 
God, she totally left out this whole plot. Or I wish she would have told me more about that. Or, you know, it's great that they were friends, but I really like didn't get to see anything about when they were together. And she always has epilogues of like okay. some time after the event. But she never does. And, and I, I think Mika, you actually enjoy this, but I, I never, I don't like insta love. Like I, I always, yeah, I don't either. I, I, I don't finish books. If there's insta love, I put them down, I get angry. And what Aww. I like about her books is that <clears> they, there's just a lot of um, building and character development and, and, <clears> you know, getting to know each other before, sexy times and like that to me makes it so worth it when the sexy times happen because and then how much is of the sports is in that in the um, well some of them have sports and some of them don't i'm gonna take us back to fantasy for a little bit and talk about girls of paper and fire by natasha and young and this is young adult um but with like a lot of depth, which is one of the things that I love so much about the young adult novels that are coming out these days. Um, so this is kind of a like dystopian, kind of a magical system where people are divided into castes. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, give you a ton of information, but basically each year, eight paper girls, which are the girls that are just human, they have no like magical abilities, are selected to be sort of concubines to the ruler of the land. And Lei is our heroine, and she is actually chosen as the ninth paper girl um, for reasons that I can't get into right now. And when I, I read this, I kind of, like, expected that it was going to be one of those things where she, like, falls in love with the ruler and you realize that, you know, he doesn't really want to take all these concubines. But anyway, it's not at all like that. There is a fantastic... Um, female-female relationship between Lei and another one of the paper girls and how, you know, their love is forbidden because they both technically, you know, belong to this ruler and how they have to really fight to be able to be together. Um, the second book in the series just came out at the end of October. No, I'm sorry, the beginning of November. And I haven't read it yet, but I really, really want to so this one is Girls of Paper and Fire, and then the sequel is Girls of Storm and Shadow, and they're both by Natasha Nyan. I believe there was a little bit of friendly arm wrestling through some of the between some of the people on the Book Bistro podcast because didn't yes. a couple people want to talk about these books? Yes, Min <laughs> and um, Natalie. Natalie really liked Girls of Paper yeah. and Fire as well. Um, so yeah, there there was a bit of competition for these. But neither of them are here tonight, so it's mine. So I was, like, combing through my Goodreads, like, oh, my God, who, would I, who do I want to talk about? And for me, well, the kind of books that make – sometimes what makes a top read isn't necessarily because of the writing, even though the writing might be very good, but it's, like, the feeling that accompanies the book. Right. I agree with that. Agreed, yeah. Um, and for me, like – Real quick, 2018 was a horrible year for me, and I didn't read, like, hardly anything. Maybe I read maybe 10 books that year. Oh, um, yeah, I remember you talking about that, like a huge And so slump. 2019, I have greatly made up for that. I'm in the three-digit book range, but Yay! <laughs> the first thing that I – one of the first books that I read, it was gifted to me from someone, and that book is – oh, my gosh, oh – 
written in red by Andrew. <gasps> oh, yay! Oh my God, the other. I've right? never, oh, like you know, I'd heard about it, and I was kind of worried because oh. you know humans don't have a very good like they're kind of meat to these animal creatures, and when people were trying to sell this book to me, they were like, "Oh yeah, well, you know, well, they he- eat." humans and I was like I'm not ready for this life of cannibalism (laughs) Um, sounds like some silence of the lambs thing right hello Clarice have the lambs (laughs) (laughs) and so I just have to tell you I this is one of the few books I mean I do reread but I don't often reread like back to back so I read this series I read the first book finished it finished the series came back and, and immediately reread the first book again because you weren't um, ready to let go of the world yeah right? i wasn't ready to let go right. so tell me how these books made you feel Mika. <laughs> they made <Yes>. the whole <laughs> series. it just made me feel so happy it was like getting honestly it was like getting a book hug and i don't even want to talk about the plot i just want to talk about how it made me feel That's and it made me feel good. great <laughs> and it's, it's paranormal it's paranormal and there's found family and it's that like the best part it's like getting oh, yes. a hug and someone giving you hot chocolate in your hands and i just the book is just it was good and i just needed it i needed yeah that i needed that book so everybody if you love urban fantasy you just need to go do. read written you in know red what? and yeah. go be hugged this series too I feel like it's almost better if you gulp them down one right after the other because the plot's so complex that um, yeah yes. like I yeah, would you don't them have time. and then right one would come out a year later and I'd be like who's that what's ha-? I mean and I usually do pretty well with books but she her plot is so like involved and good it's not like anything that you could pick up and read it like you have to read them in order yeah and i read if, them all at once and i read yes. like, and then i read like silence and then there wasn't like at that oh, time the other book country. hadn't been oh wild, wild country, country hadn't been published yet and so i was so like good i, have I to love wild country and oh, i read God. them all like within two weeks so it was just oh. like it was the it was the book I needed. I have to admit I'm that I haven't finished the series, and oh, you are oh. you have inspired me to go back. But I have to start at the beginning again because just the well, the world building was fabulous, but just the the found family aspect and the like learning to trust and learning to think of Oregon while you read it. I will think of Oregon. I have to say, I'm sad because we're not getting another one of these until, like, at least 2022. What are we going to do? I know. She says she's going back to Dark Jewels, and I love Dark Jewels so much, but I will miss the others, and I kind of wish, like, she would write more than one book a year because I don't want to wait till at least 2022 to get another one. These authors that are amazing, don't they realize how much they touch our souls and that they should just, like, do nothing but sit there and crank out books right. for our reading pleasure? <laughs> yes, exactly. But speaking of authors who do publish more than one book a year. Yes. yes. Should we talk a little bit about J.R. Ward, Sarah? Oh, yes, Stacey. I think we should. I mean, because we had The Savior, I we had Blood Truth, too. and we had Where Winter Finds You. Oh, my God. All this year. And I don't even know, like... I'm not going to talk about the plot of the books. I'm going to talk about the feelings. I'm going to just copy Mika because I think she's pretty fabulous. So I want to be like her. So I'm just going to copy her and just say J.R. Ward's Black Dagger Brotherhood series for me is all the things, all the and things, for Sarah. And all the things. Yes. And um, there are 
17 books and several novellas now um, in the series. And the center comes out next year. I'm very excited about, but Yay, just it's about this very, um, I don't even sexy band of brothers is not even the right description. Like these, these vampires defy any typecasting. They're just too hot for anything. And the books are really good. The world building is very intricate and um, you know, it's, I don't know how she does it. Not how she keeps track of everything either. Um, but um, just, I'm just going to say that um, finding dark lover um, back in 2009. Thank you, Stacey, for finding dark lover. Thank you oh very much. You're welcome. <laughs> that was like one of the best things I've ever done book wise. You always make me want to reread this series. Even I need though, like, you I to. quit it in a fit of peak. I need, I you just always inspire me. Well, peak. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll do you. it if you hold my hand, okay? I'll hold, hold your hand. Let me text you and be like, yeah. oh my gosh, what's happening? Why? But I will tell you, you know, and again, this is a this is a vampire civilization that she writes about. And so there's some paranormal elements and there's some wording that's not, um, you know, accurate. But she does portray a blind character in a way that I approve of because no one gives a shit that he's blind. He's, he's a badass. King. He's a badass. He can still you know, handle himself. And, um, you know, there's many other things about him that are the focus. Um, so I just encourage you to pick up anything by J.R. Ward. Her Black Tiger Motherhood series is my favorite, but I love her Fallen Angels. I, I really liked her Firefighter um, Consumed, but we have to wait a while yeah, for that Yeah, I wish one. that would come back. I that was know. so good. So I couldn't really do this episode without giving a huge, huge shout out to Karen Rose, who I Yay! love so incredibly much. I love Karen but Rose. Especially this year. But the one that I am so, so thrilled about is the one that came out just last month. And it's Into the Dark. It is the <gasps> fifth book in her <sighs> Cincinnati, Cincinnati series. Yes. And her Cincinnati series is my favorite of like anything that she's written. I love pretty much everything she does, but the Cincinnati books are my favorite, but into the dark was so, so special because since the series started, we have been following a woman named Danny Novak and Danny is a doctor who is HIV positive and oh. she has been like trying to keep that a secret for a while. It ends up kind of coming out in a very yucky way and causes her a lot of problems but I loved watching her live her life and not give in to just all the like prejudice that surrounds being HIV positive. Um, and so I was really happy when I saw that the latest Cincinnati book was going to be her like full story and her romance. And as always, Karen Rose does found family so, so well. Like right. the, the way her characters relate to each other just makes me like feel like I'm in this warm, cozy place. Um, and yet, like she does, you know, violence and, and murder as well. It's like everything she does is magical She's and real scary. So well done. She is very <laughs> scary. But Danny is just an excellent heroine. Um, I love that we got to watch her um, you know, give in to, to love and realize that she can have a relationship 
um, you know, even though she's dealing with, you know, the, the HIV, um, she just, it's so, so excellent. It's everything that I've come to expect from Karen Rose and so much more. Um, I read an early copy of this. So I read it like earlier this year and it was just so fantastic. If you haven't read the Cincinnati books, please do start with Closer Than You Think so that I you will. can understand all the fantastic relationships and like fall in love with Danny and the rest of the Cincinnati crew. I love them so much. Karen so Rose into scares the, dark. the absolute shit out of me. me <laughs> like, too. Yes. She scares me something fierce. Like oh, I, yeah, I gotta make sure my roommate's home when, <laughs> when I, if I read one of her books. So Mika, what, what, um, what book caused you to be afraid this year to feel suspense? Like what, did you read any of those? So, um, oh my God. So my shout out would be for Tony Anderson. Oh, who has written some oh. of the scariest things I've ever read this year. Um, Tony Anderson. Didn't she write Tony Anderson used to write contemporary romance, right? That am I oh, the right author? I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know, know, I don't know if it's the same person. Huh. But this book is know. called A Cold Dark Place. And I just want to set the scene for you here. Oh god. I'm set the scene. Wait, uh, I'm alone. Is that okay? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so it's southern. It is it is delightfully southern. Um, which makes some of the most frightening romantic suspense ever. And yes. um and um, this man, he is his name is Alex. He is an ex CIA assassin assassin uh-huh. for the CIA. He has been recruited for this project called the Gateway Project, which targets um, which targets serial killers and pedophiles. So he actually goes out and kills cool. them. So he's oh. like Dexter, but cuter and less weird. Um, <laughs> I love but, Dexter. I just have to say. Um, Dexter makes me and happy. Then, and I then you have Mallory, who is a rookie FBI agent who wants and she was an, um, her twin. Oh, I'm going to skip that part. So anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> Mallory is an twin? FBI agent. Oh, jeez. Yep. I'm <laughs> sorry. It. I remembered what I was saying and I just, uh, I'll just skip right over that. But um, oh. she's, an, she's a rookie FBI agent and she sees everything in kind of black and white. Whereas this man operates in like this, these shades of these areas of gray where he's, you know, basically going against the law, but what he's doing, depending on who you talk to, this level of vigilante justice doesn't necessarily seem like it's a bad thing if it's taking these horrible people off of the streets. And she wants to catch the person who is doing this. Let me tell you something. This book is so, like, it is the most, you know, like how you read a book blurb and they're like, the high octane, pulse pounding, you know, <laughs> series, <laughs> edge of your seat series. This is it. And this is the beginning of a series. There's like nine books in it, um, plus some novellas. And it is so good and so much suspense, but it's also a lot of heart and so much romance. And it's all just raw and gritty and amazing. So um, she was an author that I, that I discovered this year and, um, her, her book starts off, the series starts off with a cold, dark place. My cousin called me this summer and said to me, Stacy, you have to read The Flat Share by Beth O'Leary. And I just 
I hope I just said her right, her last name correctly. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And she's like, no, I promise you this, you need this right now. So I was in a pretty low place this summer. I was just having a rough time. And so I'm like, okay, well maybe instead of reading all my like angst, you know, angst ridden, <laughs> dark, tortured hero, I, I need something different. So I picked up the flash air and it is, one of the most delightful things I've ever read in my life. Um, it's basically, um, I second that. Yeah. It's basically, it's about a, a, a woman who her boyfriend kicked her out and basically said, you have to leave the flat. And, um, she does not make much money in her job. And, um, she works for a very small publishing company, um, in England. And so her boyfriend kicks her out of the flat. Um, and she's looking for a place to live and finds this flat share where she and the male, um, tenant of the flat work alternate shifts and so while he's at work she has the flat and vice versa so basically they're sleeping in the same bed but at different times of the day and he that would, like works weird me out so i know much. and they actually I, it weirded that, like, them out as they, well yeah she brought all of her own blankets and sheets and like he had like made up the bed for her with clean sheets and everything and she was like screw this i don't know if they're clean she stripped the whole thing and made it up with all of her things anyway so um, basically this book is about two people that should never actually, they don't actually meet until well into the book, but they communicate through notes that are left around the flat. And if you like me enjoy like epistolary type novels, um, whether it be letters or text messages, emails or post-its, you will love this book. And so their friendship oh. deepens through notes and it starts off very fluffy and then um, kind of, the whole plot deepens. He's a hospice nurse and she, um, you know, he has, he's doing a, a quest to, to help this, um, dying patient find someone. And just anyway, this book is lovely about how they become friends, uh, through notes before they ever even meet face to face and just what a lovely story. And then there's this moment, um, on a balcony that oh my gave God. me this, I know that gave me the same feeling in my heart like you've got mail. It was like, or like one of the great romantic movies that I don't think they really make anymore, but um, it was the most delightful thing. And it did wonderful things for my heart and soul and really lifted me out of the kind of sad place I was in. So if you need something that is so far above your average rom-com, but has some like ridiculous laugh out loud moments and it's just a beautiful story. Please, 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 please read The Flat Share by Beth O'Leary. Um, you will not be sorry that you did. Right, Sarah? Oh, for sure. No, <laughs> you don't even hesitate. No. What do I always say? Buy it. Today. Buy it. Read it today. <laughs> today. All right, Miss Sarah. Kristen Higgins is an author that always checks all my boxes. She fills my heart with joy. Her books never let me down. I laugh hysterically, but yet I choke up. There are some pretty emotional moments. And this year, she her, the book that came out that is one of my very most top, most beloved reads of 2019 oh. is Life and Other Inconveniences. And it was the most phenomenal book I've read in a long time. And it's about three generations of women. So there's the grandmother. And I don't want to say too much about this because I really think you need to read it. But there's the grandmother who, like, started her own clothing line. Um, she had a 
one of her sons vanished when he was a small child and he was very blatantly her favorite. And, um, it's a, the, the next generation is the daughter of the son that was left behind. And he's kind of not the greatest person because of things that happened early in his life. So the daughter and then her daughter, who is a teenager and the grandmother raised her granddaughter, granddaughter, who is like the, the, like in her thirties woman. Um, and the granddaughter got pregnant at 18. And when she, um, got pregnant, the, the grandmother threw her out with like no money, no support. And yeah, cause that's great. Yeah. yeah that's, that's really as loving. One does. Right. Yes. And basically now the, the main character, the woman in her thirties, her daughter is now a teenager and her grandmother reaches out because she says she's just a little bit ill and she needs her to, she needs them to come home for like the summer. And her, the, the teenager has been bullied and, um, has had a really rough, um, end of the school year. So finally she decides, fine, we'll go home. And it's how these three women build a relationship and you learn so much about why the grandmother is the way she is and why people are, are the way they are. And there's just like a beautiful romance in this book and so much character building. And I'm not even like remotely doing this book justice. Um, it's so, so, it's excellent. so good. And I have to say that I was afraid, um, to read it after reading, um, good, good luck with, with that. that because that book is in my top five reads of like my whole time. life. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't sure anything could measure up. And this book did, it was just a really wonderful read. Um, it was my honor to interview Kristen Higgins for this podcast. Um, with so and just, you know, this was really one of the best books I read this year too. I agree with you, Sarah. I loved it. So yeah. It was like, Great, great. Just again, all the things, all the things. Life and Other Inconveniences by Kristen Higgins. Read it today. today. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I think, mentioned on the podcast that I grew up pretty much enamored of The Wizard of Oz. Like it was like my, my thing. I just yes. wanted to be Dorothy and it was amazing to me. <laughs> And so I've read, you know, some like retellings of The Wizard of Oz, and I really like them. But this year, Elizabeth Letts wrote a book called Finding Dorothy. And it is kind of a dual timeline novel about the wife of L. Frank Baum. And so we first meet her in the 1930s when The Wizard of Oz is being made into a movie. And we see her kind of on the movie set and she's really concerned that the people making the film are not going to like be true to her husband's vision of, of the Wizard of Oz. Um, she begins to kind of strike up a friendship with Judy Garland, um, who plays Dorothy, obviously. And then we go back in time and kind of see her life with Frank and what inspired him to write The Wizard of Oz and to create the character of Dorothy. Um, this was just so, so lush and beautiful and heartbreaking. Um, 
it was one of my like early books of 2019. I read it like right in the beginning of the year and I have not forgotten it. It's a book I would probably read again. Um, it's just so excellent. And so if you love the Wizard of Oz or you kind of just want to learn more about the man who wrote it and see him through like the lens of his wife, um, definitely check it out. It's Finding Dorothy and it's by Elizabeth Letts. I remember you talking about that. I think oh. when it was going to come out or maybe yes. right after you read it. For, I remember you talking so about it. It was so good. It was so, so good. Mika, you have one of like the best books ever. <clears throat> I do. So I... And I can't recreate my reaction. Like when <laughs> Shannon <laughs> literally squeed. She, yeah, I, she squeed in a shake voice. It was, it was very, it horrible. was more like, like squee and it's identical twin. Like it was a lot. It was epic. It, it, so, it, was, it was a little extreme, but it's such a glorious book. Um, so I do want to preface, uh, let's talk about this book by saying that this is, this book does talk about a lot of sensitive subjects. And so, um, it talks a lot about rape and rape fantasies. So, um, as a listener, if you're uncomfortable with that, feel free to turn us down for a little bit. <laughs> um, so, so this book is called Asking for It, and it's by Lila Pace. And um, it was this book came out in like 2015, I think. So I, I'm like super behind on everything, but um, it is it is about two people. Um, there's a little bit of you know, is graduate student and professor like is that is that taboo? It's a little or taboo. It would be more taboo if it was like an undergrad. Well, I think it's more taboo I... like if you're in their class because of like favoritism. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. But, but it's... so. So she's a grad student, and he is a um, and he's a professor. I don't think that he is her professor <laughs> per se. No, I don't think he is. Um, but, but they both have quite a, a lot of things that are kind of going on in their life and in their lives. And she, um, she is very interested in, she finds it difficult to be in a relationship with men, um, because she has these like desires of, of having rape fantasies and she wants them um, she wants someone to consent to give her those kinds of fantasies, but she doesn't, but she also feels a lot of, of shame surrounding that. Um, he, for his own reasons, actually likes to do that kind of thing if it is consensual, but he, he feels a lot of shame because um, the, as a man saying that you like to do this is probably not one of the things that, maybe future partners want to hear. And so, and so like, how do you, how do you navigate this, this kind of landscape of, of all of these different desires that maybe society says that you shouldn't feel, but that you feel anyway. And how do you do that in, in a way that is both, um, that is both fulfilling as well as like consensual and healthy. And so what I liked about this book is that it, it just kind of discusses all of these things by putting, but these characters are put in so many different like situations and, 
Um, and you really get to see them grow, but they are also trying to figure out each other's, um, each other's secrets. And I think it's the first of the series. Um, there's also the other thing that I like, and I just want to give a shout out to this because, um, is that this really shows the, um, the heroine's journey, um, you know, because she's, she's also in therapy. And so we get to kind of see a lot of that, but it is, at times it is a very difficult read, but it's also a very, like, um, it's also a very beautiful read because I think that those kinds of, of fantasies are very, are very complex and it can be difficult to kind of share those, to share those things, um, with people. And if you don't know what the reaction is going to be, and they explore this in a very, um, in a very safe manner. And we also get to see a lot of negotiations, um, going in, in that vein as well. So, um, again, that book is called asking for it and it's by Lila Pace. I read this, I don't know, 2016 maybe. Um, and I, it's just so, so deep and complex. Um, and just really hard to, to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like put my, my thoughts into words about, because, you know, sexual assault is such a, like a deep and terrible thing that happens to people. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me to imagine like wanting to pretend that that was happening. And yet Pace does a phenomenal job of like putting us in the headspace of this heroine and kind of seeing like how and why this works for her. Um, it's just, it's so, so excellent. And I think she speaks to readers that would never even be able to say out loud, you know, I, yes. I understand where this heroine is coming from, or I relate to this heroine. Um, so I think that, that, that this writing really serves as a voice to people who often feel like, some of their fantasies or their desires or some of their, you know, some of their needs are not often represented in, in your standard um, romance novel. Well, this got deep. Okay. So. <laughs> it did. so there are like, a ton of books that we could talk about. Um, but I think Stacy and Sarah have a couple of quick kind of like shout outs that they want to do before we bring this long, sprawling, book-filled episode to a close. <laughs> this was really hard, Shannon, to pick just a I few. Know. I've read so many great new authors this year. I know I'm leaving people out. I know mm. I am, too. Sarah, do you want to go first or do you want me to? You can go first. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> so I just have to quickly say that um, this just last week, um, we got the conclusion to Nora Roberts' um, trilogy um chronicles the of the one. one chronicles of the one and it was called the rise of magics and um even if you aren't typically a nora roberts fan um there's something very i love nora roberts there's something very comfortable about her writing you settle right in to it um and there's a formula to her books um and i don't think that's a bad thing but um chronicles of the one year one um of blood and bone and um, the rise of magics. They basically are 
kind of outside of her typical uh they do not of, follow a formula at no. all. No, and the way that she typically no. constructs a trilogy just throw all that out the window because it's not how these these books are. Um and it's about a, a basically um a a plague that ends the world and then the people who survive and it's amazing. So I recommend that um and I just also recently discovered a new author and her name is Poppy Alexander. Yay! And I don't usually, on my best of, you know, things, talk about Christmas novels because they're so light and frothy. But 25 Days Till Christmas by Poppy Alexander was kind of a revelation. It was um, this really amazing book about a single mother who um, is trying to give her son um, this year. She's decided that she's been widowed for three years and it's time to give her son a proper Christmas, even though she doesn't really have the money to do so. And um, nor does about, she feel like Christmas. Nor does she feel like Christmas. She doesn't have it in her. And it's basically um, just such an amazing journey. And there's a, a lovely romance and just a lot that this woman has to go through to give her son the Christmas that um, they both deserve. And it's it's not a fluffy little, you know, Christmas novel. It's so much It's more, not like but, caroling in the snow and hot chocolate no. and doo-doo. No. It's so much better. And then, that. you know, and I just, I, there's so many authors I could talk about. I was really happy, uh, thanks to Shannon, to discover Chanel Clayton this year. Um, oh, yes. When we left Cuba. And there was something about her writing, although I did not, um, I really enjoyed the book a lot. Um, but I was more drawn to the writing and more, uh, it was a very compelling story. And the way that she told it was really amazing. And so... Um, based on that, she'll be an auto buy for me. And I cannot wait to read the book that's coming oh. out in 2020 um, about a yes. hurricane in Florida. And just, oh, my God, it looks amazing in the 1930s. Or it's the 1920s. And she was our first, first author interview. Yeah. Um, and then the final thing that I want to say is that I just discovered this year, I've, I've been reading Karen White for a while. And for whatever reason, I never read her Trad Street series. And it was a really amazing um, series about a, a realtor who, um, who can, who, who sees ghosts um, in all the old houses of, um, is she in Charleston? I think. Yes. And um, just uh, this year, um, Christmas spirits on Trad Street came out just at the end of October and it was really well done and left us on a cliffhanger. So if Karen White makes us wait another five years for the next book, I'm going to be pretty distraught. So <laughs> um, you know, so I could talk about so many other authors and I know I'm forgetting some because I've really, I've really read in a broader spectrum this year, but those are the ones that I think this year, um, really kind of spoke to me above others. Oh yes. And Megan Joe by Virginia Cantor just came out. <gasps> yes. Oh, it just came out and I, I binged it in one day and, um, basically it's a modern reimagining of little women and, um, it basically, I had a happy lump in my throat the entire time I read it because it just was really special and it's so it really good. Did an amazing job of blending all the things we love about Little Women into a modern setting and then making it believable for, you know, for now. I I so Stacy's covered a lot of books that I was going to talk about, which is great because <laughs> I don't have to. But um, no, it works out well for me. But I Sorry. know I've missed some authors. I will tell you that if. The newest Winston Brothers by Penny Reed would have come out in audio. I would have done a shout out for that. Also, um, if the new Grace Draven book had come out, I would have done a shout out for that. So, my, those <laughs> so are you're not bitter. bitter. <laughs> but I, no, I'm not bitter at all. 
but um no not at all but those are two of my faves but i discovered i i as a whole for a long time have not liked contemporary romance and so i was kind of horrified this year to find myself um the majority of the books that i read and binged this year were contemporary romance which was a shocker to me i'm more of a paranormal and urban fantasy person but um i discovered two authors this year and they're a little different their books you could probably consider most of them new adult, which again, shocker that I'm talking about them. But the first author that I really, really loved and that I just cannot get enough of her books is Brittany C. Cherry. Yeah, she's good. And the, I think my two most favorite books, although all of her books I've loved, um, were Disgrace. And it's about a girl that has to come home to her small town. She doesn't want to. And she's the pastor's daughter and, her mom is like, oh, bless your heart type of person. And she's not very nice <laughs> at all. And this boy, this guy from, you know, across the tracks, but it's not really across the tracks. Um, he's not like the pampered princess in the house on the hill like she is. And how they come together and become friends. And then how their relationship deepens. And it is just, I don't want to give too much of it away. It sounds kind of like a trope, like you'd read every other time, but it's not. And Brittany C. Cherry, she's such a good writer. The other book by her that I loved that I read this year um, is Eleanor and Gray. Oh, I have to read that. It's so good. And um, I don't even want to, I'm not, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about it. Okay. I just can't because it, it will sound. Some of her, if you like look at the synopses, you might think like, oh, been there, done that. We've read those somewhere before, but please do not, please just read them. She writes so well and her writing makes me happy. And I love her. I love her character so much. Brittany C. Read Cherry. it today. Read it yes, today. 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 Um, <laughs> the other author I'm going to talk about, I can't even believe how much I love her because she's like really angsty and like just, oh God, here we go. <laughs> I know. I don't know where this came from, you guys. I, this is not this is not a typical Sarah type of thing. But I her heroes are really interesting. Um, it's L. J. Shen, and the two books that I I actually have reread Brittany Cherry and L. J. Shen both of them like multiple times this year, and I don't usually do that. And the two books that I really liked the most, um, the first one was Midnight Blue. And, um, it was just so good. It's about this girl that goes, um, and works for a band The the hero has a lot of issues. He's, um, he's in recovery and he has a lot of addictions and it's just an amazing, amazing book to me. The other book, a lot, you either really like it or you really hate it. It's called vicious. Ugh. I know. And Stacy, like it made her. I so cried. Upset. Because he was, like, so mean to her. Her writing is is not what you'd expect. Um, It's it's very deep and very – the way that she wrote about the sisters in Vicious was really one of my favorite things. It was really beautiful. So So this brings us to the end of our 2019 extravaganza. Thank you to Sarah and Stacey and Mika for – a fantastic episode of bookish greatness. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for her marvelous editing. And thank you so much to all of you who join us each week and listen to us ramble on and on about the books that we love. 
It won't be um, a show. It won't be show notes. It'll be a show dissertation. Oh my I know. god! <laughs> It'll be like giant. <laughs> I haven't quite figured out like how I'm going to uh, write the show notes for this. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.